Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we are in Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15 reads, And as soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out, Again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down and homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them, to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour, when they crucified him, and the inscription on the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the Younger and Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. In summoning the centurion, he asked them whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. 
And Joseph bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Well, we are blessed today to have Wesley Heiser with us. And so Wesley is a graduate of Ascend Student Ministry and now is serving here with our junior high boys. So we're blessed to have him sharing here from Mark chapter 15. All right. Well, Mark chapter 15 is a great chapter. And this chapter is is so, so important. It's about the crucifixion of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I just want to draw our attention just for a minute to a few things in in the short time we have here. We see first in the first section that the scribes and priests bound and took Jesus. Then they had to deliver him to Pilate because at the time within the Roman Empire, the Romans didn't allow anyone else to inflict capital punishment outside of the Romans. That's how they would try to keep peace. So if the Jews wanted to execute somebody or punish them, they had to go to their Roman supervisor. And at the time, it was Pilate. In this section, we see Pilate interviews Jesus, and he has a dilemma. He knows that Jesus has done nothing wrong, and that the scribes and priests had brought him out of envy. Verse 15 says, So Pilate, wishing to please the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered them to be crucified. So his motivation was to please the crowd. Pilate chose self-preservation over doing the right thing. He knew that if he did release Jesus, the Jews would start a riot, and he would lose his job or even be killed. So instead, he did the cowardly thing and succumbed to the peer pressure and sent Jesus to be crucified. This whole next section about the crucifixion just humbles me so much when I think about it. We see Jesus, the Son of God, the King, the one through whom and for whom all things were made. He's mocked by sinful, puny humans who think they held power over him. They think they held power over the mighty, omnipotent Creator and Lord. He was mocked, scourged, which means whipped and flogged. The Romans had this tool that was like a whip with nine parts, and at the end of each part was pieces of bone and rock, so that when they would whip somebody with it, it would tear out the victim's skin. That's terrible. The omnipotent one, tortured. They thrust a crown made of thorns, not just small little rose thorns. Think of like huge two, three inch long thorns. If you've ever been to Heritage Park, you'll know what I'm talking about. They have some crazy thorns there. Think about this for a minute. Jesus Christ, the creator, could at any moment wipe them all out and free himself. He could have done whatever he wanted to, and he would have been completely justified. Yet what did he do? Look in verse 5. Jesus made no further answer. He was silent. Our Lord endured all this. But why? Why would a man so wrongly accused stay silent and suffer through all this? Why would he then die the most humiliating, gruesome death, being hung on a cross, his hands and feet having nails driven through them, nailing him to the wood, then being hung so that for every breath he had to push up on those nails and pull up with his hands on the nails just to breathe. Why would he do this? All of the suffering, all of the pain, yet that was not the worst part. Jesus, in the moment when he died, he gave up his spirit, let out a loud cry and said, it is finished. What does that mean though? What is the it that Jesus was talking about? The task is done. The plan fulfilled God's redemptive plan. That's the it. God's plan was fulfilled in that moment in Christ's death. We broke God's law. Jesus paid our fine. Jesus in that moment bore all the fullness of God's righteous wrath that was meant for us. We deserve to be there, yet we were spared. So why? Why did Jesus endure all this and even die this terrible unjust death? Well, we see in Ephesians 2 is the answer. That's my favorite passage in scripture, by the way. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but... God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive. We were dead. 
and he made us alive. There's no, I found Jesus. I got lucky and I just stumbled and found Jesus. Jesus wasn't lost. We were. He found us. Let's just remember that today and let it always humble you and make you realize just how much we need him and we should depend on him. Wesley, that's so good and such a great reminder for us about why we're doing any of this. We're doing this. We're studying God's word because of what he did on the cross and because of what took place, what we deserved, but what he did on our behalf. And you really focus this in on something I'd like to ask a question further in our study about. So you've you've shown us how God and Jesus here has all the power to get himself out of this situation, but chooses to endure the suffering at these puny people who are using and abusing the power that they have. But we see him in complete control of everything that he's doing. How is it that he's able to do that? And what does that show us as we might experience what's probably light and momentary affliction compared to the suffering that he's doing there? But how can we take that mindset that he has and continue to endure suffering for the sake of the gospel at the hand of others? Yeah, so that's a great question, Lee. So when we look at Jesus in this chapter and really in all of his ministry, He's constantly persecuted by those who hate him. The chief priests and scribes are always trying to get him in his words and trying to persecute him as much as they can. And every single time, though, you see his response. It was gentle and lowly. He has compassion for them, and I think that's just completely unnatural. Our first response is always, in any sort of persecution or little suffering we have, is usually to defend ourselves. It's all me-focused. It's just me, myself, and I. How can I change about what they think about me. And that's simply put an unbiblical response. The Bible tells us to turn the other cheek. And doing so will amaze others. It's just so unnatural, so countercultural. Yet, there's still times to act out against injustice. I mean, we see Jesus drive out people from God's temple with a whip, flipping over money tables and stuff. Like, that's, (laughs) that's some real manly stuff right there. And he was absolutely right in doing it. Because he was defending the name of his God, of himself. We should defend the name of our God. So I think the answer to that question of what we can draw from is Jesus. We need to look and know our Savior in order to live like him. How can you live like someone you don't know? Man, that's that's a great question to turn on there for us. Uh, Leads us to the thought of, man, if we want to behave like this, we must be in a great abiding relationship with our Savior, to be able to live that spiritual-focused life rather than self-focused life, which you've laid out for us. Hey, Philippians 2 gives us that template. Philippians 2 telling us, have this mind among you that was there in Jesus Christ, who did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but left heaven, suffered, bled, and died for us because of us and what takes place. So if you want to dwell on that today, look back at Philippians 2 as well. Focus on that. So many other things you can focus on here in Mark 15 as we look and really hopefully sit it on reverence of our Savior on the cross for us, doing what we could never do so that we could be what we could never be without him. And so as we dwell on that today, know that you are loved. You